Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm your host, Lewis McParlin, and by the time you're listening to this, a major election will have taken place in the UK. But don't worry, after labouring over my notes all day, I've decided to be conservative with my political puns. And I'll tell you what, if these two gentlemen with me now stood for politics, I would absolutely vote for them. Firstly, GFFN's favourite omnipotent Onji fan, Mr Thomas Wiseman. You know, I think if Thomas were a political party in the UK, it would be the Greens. Because, you know, they're always there and a lot of people care about them and their plight, but they never win. Uh, and I also have Clinton McDubbis with me here today. And if I were to call him a political party, I don't know what it'd be because he's not from the Britain and cannot stand in a seat in the British Parliament. Come on, Clinton, keep up. Uh, gents, so my question for you today is if you were looking for someone to vote for, someone to, to lead you forward as a politician, who would it be if you had to choose someone from French football, either a player or a manager or even like a club president or anyone like that? Who would you have? Thomas, I'll ask you first, who would you have? Oh, so many good choices. Um, probably somebody like Cavani, because he just, he's just loved by everybody where he is. You don't really hear any criticism of him, especially in Paris. So uh, he'd, be, he'd be a great one. And it only matters to be in the capital. So that would actually, <laughs> that'd actually work. Clinton, who would you have as your, your leader of the country? André Villas Boas. Oh, young yeah, though. Think, you know, the yeah. youthful. Absolutely. I think he would be very charming. I, I, the way <laughs> yeah. he, he talks to people and the way he, you know, converses is very, very, very cool. And he has that smile. He's very beautiful. So yeah, um. he's a gorgeous man. <laughs> um, I was thinking. I had I had like two ideas for it. One was like my real one that I that I would go for. You know, you know I love him, Christoph Galti. Just so cool. Got the scarf. True. He would just be chill in all the elections. Yeah, scarf. That's true. And all, yeah. aye, and all the debates and stuff. He'd just be so good at it. Um, my other option, my kind of off the wall, just like come on, lead us into revolution, would be Antoine Combouari. Just because just be no defense, all attack, just changing party all the, all the time. No like no like rounds of bases, anything to vote, anything on. It would just be absolute chaos. And I really cannot wait for that to happen at some point. That, I just think that'd be hilarious. Well Marco Verratti is always complaining about stuff. Smoking, drinking, party in Marco Verratti. He'd let the yeah. champion. <laughs> right, all right, okay. Talking of the capital and football and whatnot, let's get on to some of the European matches that happened in midweek. So we'll start with the champions. They rounded off their campaign with a pretty dominant win. I don't know what words you can use to describe their 5-0 win over Galatasaray that would be allowed in this podcast without having to mark it as explicit. But, you know, pummeled. I'm a good fan of rattled. That's a good one as well. Uh, but yeah, they absolutely destroyed the Turkish side here. 5-0 goals coming from Pablo Sarabia, Mbappe, Neymar and even Cavani. All strikers got on the score sheet for this one. And Thomas, it was just a, a perfect performance to round off the group stage, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it was... It was imper- They were imperious throughout the game. There was no... There was no doubt. There was, it was sort of like... I was thinking... Are they playing? Are they playing to lose? What is this? <laughs> They're playing. Game of Castasra, who are, are, you know, 
are still a very um they used to be middle. class i feel and yeah. now they're just old yeah um i think they're not doing that great in turkey um yeah. but but um it was just a it was really i mean i, I watched a portion of the game and it was just really great to see um it was good to see neymar back because he was i mean he was on fire for this game he was really up for it and his link up play with mbappe um, at times, was you just couldn't you just couldn't touch him at all, and they could have had more than five. I mean, you know, Mbappe probably missed two or three good chances, um, mm. and it was just a really assured performance. Gartas Rai didn't put them in any danger really, um, and PSG made it look it made it look like a sort of like a, an easy um, domestic game where they're sort of easing off. Not not don't really didn't seem to. Do it. They were trying too much, and they were just rolling them over every single opportunity. Um, mm. It was, I mean, did Leandro Perez have a, have a good game? Can we say that? He, he, he not a good game. But... Uh, I mean, I don't think he had a good game because he's a good player. He had a good game because <laughs> none of the Galatasaray players were at that level, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, another one to mention is uh, Kwasi, uh, who, who started this game actually. Um, usually, uh, as a um, usually plays as a, a central defender when I've seen him, um, but he's 17 years old and he looked really, really comfortable. I mean, he didn't do anything flashy. He was just keeping the game ticking over, and his passing was um, was conservative, um, but it it was mm-hmm. uh, it was good. I was really impressed by him. Actually, he's only 17 years old, so another yeah. another PSG um, youth youth player that. I'm sure I'll be getting more minutes as the season progresses. Well, that's the thing. I know there's a lot of buzz about this Kuasi kid. I'd heard a lot about him as he was kind of coming into the team. And I've seen some of his performances in the youth league for PSG. And he just looks just like, well, A, he's a unit. He's, he's a very big boy. But he just also on the ball, everything. He can he can read the game really well. He, he very rarely, at least the times I've seen him, got into a challenge, got into a tackle. Because he could just read the game so well. To be honest, PSG as they usually do, have a really promising core of youth players coming through. Him, I really like. Loic and Bay So, uh, I'm, I'm kind of sad that he's been injured the last few weeks, but he should be getting a bit more opportunities. And obviously, the star boy, Adi Laoshi Shea. There is a, a good core of PSG players just, just coming through at the moment. And I, I hope to God they do get the opportunity that, you know, Musa Diaby and Christopher Nkunku, who's doing incredible at uh, Leipzig, never really yeah. got. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clinton, this yeah. was a match where we got to see Edinson Cavani come back into the team a little bit, and he scored from the spot later on in the match. Can you say that there's maybe a better team feel at the club right now, a little bit more of a harmony? Because, you know, Neymar handed the ball to Cavani for the penalty, and then when he put it away, you know, he was jumping on him, celebrating with them, really, you know, trying to trying to get the morale up. When in past years, you know, when, when Neighbor first came to the club, there was a lot of controversy between him and, and Cavani and how they'd mix and stuff like that. Do you think there's a better harmony at the club now? Absolutely, absolutely. I, I was a bit surprised with you know, the, the, the gesture. I did feel that um, that was supposed to happen, though, when the penalty was won. But I still felt, OK, um, is he really going to give it? And he did. And the entire the vibes were really good. 
the way the players gathered around Cavani to you know congratulate him on the goal and all of that was really really heartwarming. And then Neymar said something after the game about it, saying that um, football is about the collective rather than the individual. I was really surprised about that comment because I mean. It's Neymar. He's he has raised so much dust over the past two three years, and always felt like he wasn't going to grow up. But I mean, it seems like he's growing, and the entire dressing room is really you know good. The the feels are really good. So I think that's definitely the case at this point. Even when um, Cavani was coming on for Icardi, even the the way they you know hugged each other and then Cavani got on. It, it would be very hard to notice that they are actually rivals for a spot in the team. But, I mean, it, all around, I think um, this is probably their best squad harmony in maybe four four years, perhaps, since Latin anyway. I think mm. the vibes are really good. Mm. Do you see Cavani really coming back into the team before he leaves either nah, this summer or the summer nah, after? Do you see him becoming a nah, core part? Nah, he's not, he's not getting back. I don't think... Um, Monsieur Thomas likes him. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think he likes him at all. Um, I expected Cavani to start, you know, this game because it was a meaningless game. It was a completely meaningless game. It was just. I mean, he played Kozawa right back. So if that was going to happen, and then for whatever reason said not to give Cavani the 90 minutes, I found that very odd. And that's probably why I think that um, Cavani is really not going to get game time under Tuchel. I don't think it's happening. So, but um, I mean, surprises happen, and maybe even injuries could prompt him to mm. play Cavani later on. But it remains yeah. to be seen. And because PSG plays such like an attacking lineup, like it's almost like a four-two-four at times. There are spaces. Yeah. For, I mean, there's not that many guys in front of him. You know, you got obviously Mbappe and Sarabia and. and Timari and, and Mbappe, but they can, and um, Neymar rather, but they can kind of yeah. be spread across the pitch. You know, I feel like he could get ahead of like Chupamoting and, and players <laughs> like that. You know, yeah, I'd stick, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 I'm pretty sure he's he's saying that position, yeah, yeah, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder and go, No offense, there, there he's coming. Uh, right, let's move on to another of the positive results from, from this week. I'll give you a hint, there's not that many. Uh, Leon hosted RB Leipzig. Uh, in France, it was a home match for Rudy Garcia's team, and it was a dramatic result for Leon, wasn't it? They were two 0 down after 33 minutes from two penalties, and even though Leipzig had much of the better play later on in the match, they really started to kick on with Hussein Awar striking an absolutely beautiful goal into the top right corner. It was gorgeous, and then Memphis Depay finished off the job. The captain. Eight minutes from time, leveling up to finish 2-2, which was enough for Leon to go through to the knockout rounds. So, Thomas, would you say this was more of a, a team performance or was this more just the shining of individuals? You know, that Husum Awar moment kind of came out of nothing. Um, do, do you think that Leon going on in the competition will have a real opportunity to play as a team or will it be more the, the power of individuals that, that maybe scrape them a win or two in the knockout stages? It's going to be still individual quality uh, at the moment. They didn't. They, they didn't play. I think well, they weren't terrible, um, but they certainly um, weren't a cohesive unit. Um, it was, yeah. It's 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 tricky to see them really. It depends what their draw is like, but it was tricky to see them going that much further. Um, 
but you, I mean, you never know, really. Uh, but on, on this one, I mean, it was Tussar and Mendes in the field. They sort of shored it up and it allowed Depay to um, to drop deeper and and be a bit, a little bit more in with play, uh, more involved. Um, I think that was that was helpful. But <laughs> even he didn't have, he didn't actually have a great game. Depay, he was his passing wasn't. Uh, wasn't particularly great. He was losing the ball a lot of the time. And they just turn around and, and, and scores and uh, and gets gets the equalising goal. So you can't mm. can't wait to deny that. And there was another Anthony Lopez uh, sort of brain fart, um, <laughs> which wasn't which wasn't exactly great. A little bit of Russian Russian blood to the head. He's had, he's had a couple uh, this season, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he has. I mean, he had, he had one against Benfica, didn't he as well? Um, when it was two nine, I thought they can't. There's no way they're getting back from this. So don't don't want to see them. I thought Leipzig might get might get another, um, and they almost did. I, mean, I think it was probably it was late on in the game, and <laughs> Denier sort of the, the the about must be right in the box. Um, inside the six now. yard box. Inside the six yard box. Denier sort of. I think he, I think he tries to like get across and try to block it, and then he falls over. And then he just decides, yeah, the best thing to do is is stay on the ground and yeah, block. Player just kind of kick, <laughs> just kicking against them. Yeah, and then Marcel makes a block that I don't, I've, I don't actually know how he did it. Oh, it's how incredible! It's incredible. Over the net. It's stupid. So, um, but yeah, I mean, luckily, luckily for Leon, I mean, <laughs> that was a very strange piece of defending, but hey, it worked out for them. So, um, but uh, yeah, it, I mean, they were. They were happy to to get them final points, of course. And Garcia looked um, well. <laughs> I was going to say he looked, looked happy himself, but he sometimes yeah. he really does. Um, but I I don't really see it going much further uh, with how they are at the moment. They could change when it gets to the knockout stages, but um, anyway, it's good to see a French team in the knockout stages again. Mm, absolutely. Uh, because we're not going to be talking about Leon any of their league matches like th- this week or anything, I just wanted to quickly ask you, Thomas, about Max Ronald's Kakari uh, centre mid. Have you seen him kind of coming into it a little bit more in the team? He played against Nîmes right in that midfield, and he just was so good. I think he's like he's definitely in his, in his teens, and he just looks as if he's going to be the next big thing coming out of Leon. Something that he's really good at is, you know, the turning on the ball and getting the ball up the pitch, which is something that's sometimes not always there with Leon's midfield. Just that that zip of like, okay, winning it back and then seeing who's available or carrying it yourself. Have you been impressed yeah. with Kakare as he's came into the team a little bit more over the last few weeks? Yeah, I mean it's I think is he eighteen, nineteen? Must be must 19. be around yeah, nineteen around around that age. Um but if you I mean if you look at them the two midfielders that got at the moment, Mendes and, and Tussar, you don't see, I mean, they're both very good, but you don't see a lot of, like you said, sort of quite um, agile uh, in the centre of the of, of the park. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, Leon are obviously renowned for producing very, very good players, uh, very, very talented players. And, and Kakare is just another example um, of that great academy. And I think he'll probably he'll he might he'll probably start to feature more um, because they do need they do need I don't really see Tussar and Mendes as starting the same team I feel like it's just sort of a, a wait not a waste of position but they they 
similar uh, characteristics and they need more of a yeah um, more of a, an active a ball progressor yeah yeah but well, i mean adelaide is that but they're not going to play him uh, in that in that position i don't think um but yeah a bit more of an active midfielder um a ball progressor and um, and we were seeing them bring through teenagers plenty of times before so uh yeah watch out watch out for uh hmm. I mean, since they lost in Dumbelli in the middle of that pitch, it was so good. It just, it was, yeah. it just had all the attributes that maybe Lucas Tussard doesn't really have. I mean, I, I don't think Tussard's going to get much better than he is at the moment, and I think Thiago Mendes is a better player. So I know what you mean by saying it's almost a waste playing the two of them. But I do think Kakri, to be honest, I think Kakri should have started this match um, against Leipzig. Just his performance against Neem was so complete, and I know Neem aren't playing great right now, but. You can just see the attributes of the player. I'm really excited about him um, kind of getting more involved in the Leon side. Clinton, there, there was a scuffle towards the end of the match between, you know, fan a fan ran onto the pitch with a, a sign um, linking the centre-back Marcelo to a, like a donkey and, and give him a lot of abuse, to which Memphis Depay took a lot of offence to and almost like yeah. tried to have a fight with the guy. What's your opinion on all this? Do you think this is good from Depay to stand up for his player and then show that real, like, captain qualities? Yeah, I think um, it was great to see him do that, just to, to stand up for his teammate, because it was it was a really terrible thing, you know, from the fan. And in such moments, you see how responsibility has really helped him grow up. I think um, he, he really showed his maturity in, you know, standing up to that. Because, I mean, even after the game, he talked about it and said... Um, you don't expect the players to play at their best when they're getting all, all that abuse and everything. And it was really good to see him do that. And um, also, I'd like to comment on the fan. Um, I don't know what it is with mod- modern fans, but, okay, I guess that's always been a thing with fans anyway, but I don't think that you're going to get the best out, like like and the Pie said, you're going to get the best out of your players when you keep insulting them, keep... Um, doing things like that. I mean, they are just qualified for the next round of the Champions League. The focus should have been on, you know, celebrating that and all that. But I don't know what would prompt a fan to, you know, do that. And to, I mean, his own player, it's crazy. But overall, I think um, Depay did really well. He, he he really, really, really did well to, do, uh, you know, to stand up for his teammate like that. And I'd love to see more from him, you know, more of that maturity, more of that um, taking responsibility thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully we'll see more of that. I'm, I'm starting to actually like, I know we talked about this a, a few weeks ago, but I'm starting to like, I don't know, just something about Depay being captain just didn't click with me a few weeks ago. But just seeing a bit more and, you know, him getting in a scrap with a fan and just some of the things, some of the maturity I've seen over the last few weeks it's starting yeah. to click a bit more with me, you know, and Rudy Garcia handling the armband. It just it just makes a bit more sense in yeah. my mind now. I, I yeah. agree. Um when when the decision was made, I remember I was asked about it and I said obviously the, the obvious was probably Antonio Lopez, but um Anthony Lopez, but um Depay might just be that kind of player that you know steps up when given more responsibility. There are a lot of players that respond to, or there are certain players that respond to responsibility very well. And it seems like Depay is one of those guys. So mm. this might be the trick for him. I yeah, think it's it, was, it was a risk, wasn't it, really? For yeah, Cassie. it was. I mean, at the moment, it's it's paying off pretty well. It's being so clutch also. Yeah, beyond yeah, yeah. I hope it's the kind of thing where... It... <laughs> 
Yeah. I hope Leon like managed to go on a run. You know when they drew nil nil with Barcelona last year, and oh, I'm pretty sure they were in a pretty yeah. like awful patch of form under Genesio, but they just somehow did it, and, and Dembele put an absolute masterclass. I hope that that just kind of happens for the rest of the tournament, and they go on and like get a semi final place. Yeah, just something yeah. stupid. It would just be hilarious. Rudy Garcia would have a would have a statue, and Leon would be back on top of the world, you know, despite having some just start the season. <laughs> You know, if they, you know, if they did that well, it would be nothing to do with Garcia. Oh, no, absolutely. Well, he would, he would call yeah, it would, it would take a current for it, of course. I think, I think um, that game against Barcelona, the second leg, where they lost 5-1, they actually, at some point, it looked like they were going to knock yeah. Barcelona out. Yeah, and then so I think just turned, it's like, oh yeah, I'm just going to... Gonna... I think it was probably um, Mendy getting injured that affected them. Mm. As soon as he went it's... off, it's so like, strange to think that Mendy minute. was. It's so strange to think that Mendy was playing for them last season. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah, I feel like that was such like such a long, was time ago. a long time ago. <laughs> uh, right, let's move on to the last Champions League match of the night, which was Chelsea and their two-one win over Christophe Galtier's Lille. So they drop out the competition. They don't even drop into the Europa League. They finished bottom of their group. To be honest, it was a pretty difficult group. Chelsea, Lille, Valencia and Ajax. You know, Ajax were semi-finalists last year and Chelsea were in the Europa League final last year and Valencia were Europa League semi-final last year. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was a difficult group. But just generally, Thomas, how would you rate Lille's return to the Champions League this year? Uh, <laughs> disappointing um, in one sense that we I mean some of the games they've played I don't understand how they've not got put at least like more than a loss a loss out of it because mm. I mean a lot of the times you've seen they've, they've missed a lot um, plenty of good scoring chances and, and maybe the inexperiences did get to them in some way Um yeah. Maybe it was the stage they were playing at, but we know that Lille can produce better form- performances than that, and I just don't think that they were quite um, as ready uh, as we'd hoped um, for this one. Yeah. Clinton, do you, do you share those thoughts? Do you think it was just quite underwhelming from Lille this season? Yeah, in terms of um, outcomes, but in terms of how they played, um, I think they, they gave a pretty good account of themselves. But um, you know how football is. Experience always matters. And I'll give you an example. Um, in our game against Ajax, the game we won after suffering for 90 minutes, um, it was experience that got us got us through the last 30 minutes because um, the Ajax players lost their heads when you know we had experienced players that were just getting to them, getting to them emotionally and all of that. And then they lost their head and they couldn't concentrate, they couldn't focus on the task at hand. And also, um, I think when you don't have experienced players or enough experienced players in competitions like this, then um, you tend to panic when things aren't going your way. I can, when you think back at perhaps Real Madrid, the Real Madrid team that won the Champions League back to back to back, um, no matter how many goals you scored against them, you could see that they were very, very, very comfortable and assured and very calm about their process and the fact that they were, you know, going to come back and get the win or something. But you know, for a team like Lille with a lot of inexperience, that that probably, you know, 
affects them sometimes. Like probably the game against Ajax when they, they lost 3-0, despite absolutely battering Ajax away. Um, I can imagine when the first goal went in, how you know, the players must have been feeling because they were on top of things. And then first goal went in, second goal went in, that kind of thing. Mm. So I think experience usually comes to you know the fore in such moments when when you don't have that experience inside, when you don't have those heads. I mean, obviously they have um, just a font, but, and, and guys like, don't have those. And even just a font, I don't think he has played so much Champions League football. So at those stages, when the pressure is on, that you need, you know, those characters, those big characters with experience. And mm. I think um, ultimately it's a learning curve for them. They will be back. And the next time they come back to the Champions League, I, probably next season, I think they are going to be really good. Do you think, like, with players like Osim Hen, um, yeah. uh, just, just maturing a bit past, more? Past this season, though. I don't think you he's think? going to do. Yeah, I think by summer he's gone. If he scores up to mm-hmm. 25 goals, I, I don't see how they're going to keep him. Kind of a similar situation him. to Rafael Leal. Yeah. It, it just doesn't feel like they'll be able to keep him. Because he's, he's, he's just... There are so many rumours about him already. And I think Gautier also had the... Um, the press conference where he he was very non-committal about Simon's future, so yeah. I think it's very 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 difficult, especially because I mean they wouldn't turn turn down good money for him if someone comes in summer and drops fifty million, for instance. Yeah. It's very hard to see them turn that down. So, but if 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 he's able to stay beyond this season, I think it would be absolutely fantastic for them. I think um, if they can keep players like him and he develops at the rate that is going, then the future is very, very good for them. Yeah, that, that's the thing But Lille. As much as they do create a lot of chances and whatnot, without a Simhen, a lot of their season just falls apart. I don't think they've got as clinical a striker as he is in their team right now, really. Lloyd Remy's a wee bit, you know, on the out. And, like, who else would really fill that number nine position? Um, yeah. they, would need to, they would need to do a lot of scouting or, or spend a bit of money on, on a big replacement for him if he did go in the summer, you know. Yeah, funny you think... enough, I think I think they should probably be looking at someone like Henry, who is frozen out in um Monaco and is about to go back to Galatasaray. I think he's going to be good in another league on team because he's not really gotten his chance, you know, in Monaco. Because obviously there's um Simani and there's Benyeda. Those are the kind of signings I think they should be looking at at this point. It'll be a huge mm-hmm. bargain and I think he'll score a lot. So uh, I mean I don't know. Yeah. Onyekuru has shown in like glimpses here and elsewhere that he is, he's got a lot of potential and I think he could be a, a playing probably more consistent at a team like Lille, like Monaco. He's just not being given the chance and Monaco have got a, quite a big team up front at the moment, so it's yeah. just so difficult to get in there. I would like to see him at Lille, you know. Um, to be honest, see when Timothy Way comes back to Lille, sure. things, things will start sure. clicking. Like He's hardly played yeah. this season. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, people kind of forgot about him. Um, Two games, just two games. Yeah, like it's nothing. He should be new, back in the new year, I think. Uh, Thomas, do you think if Lille still had Nicola Pepe and Thiago Mendes and Yusuf Corey, do you think they would have gone further? Or do you still think their squad in this group is just a little bit behind the quality of, of their other teams? I reckon they probably would have gone further. It is a shame we didn't. We never saw that that little team in uh, playing this this Champions League. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, if you get Pepe, yeah, if you get Pepe back, then you, you kind of get Bamba and Nakone back into form. 
um, and they would have caused a lot of danger. Anna Simmons, oh man. Oh my yeah. god, that front four. <laughs> oh my god, ejection, man. <laughs> Uh, Thomas, do you think now that you know the Champions League was a great buzz when it happened, and you know they did put in some fantastic performances, probably some performances a bit too fantastic that are going to steal the players off them. But you know, even though they they showed good quality at times, do you think in some ways Galtier will be a bit relieved now that they can just fully focus on the league and get some more consistent results under their belt? Because even though at home they've been fantastic, I think they sit third at the time of recording, but away from home they've been torrid hardly won a game all season do you think now they'll be able to kind of fully focus back in their domestic duties and push for that second spot uh yeah yeah i think it's gonna uh, it's gonna be a um a pretty tight one because a lot of teams are inconsistent at the moment and marseille look to have got things together um but yeah that, that need that away form needs to needs to really pick up i don't i do I think they've won one game, maybe? Or maybe one two. One game away, I think. One game, game away. Yeah, their yeah. first win since March, I think. First away <sighs> win since. You've been reading oh, my okay. tweets, and... <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, but it's. I think, obviously, they're going to concentrate on that, trying, trying to get um, players like Bamba and Ikone back to form. And I think we said at the start of the season, we'll begin to see them really um, sort of gel into into the team where we expect them to be uh, later on as the season goes on. Okay, quickly before we move on to the Europa League results, PSG uh, finish as a seeded team, so their their potential opponents for the knockout stages are as follows. Atalanta, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Dortmund, Napoli, Real Madrid and Tottenham Hotspur. They can't play Leon because of uh, domestic rules. You can't play. And, and from the they same can't league. play against Real Madrid as well because they're in the same group. So. Oh, so they were. Uh, okay, yeah. so they can't play against Real Madrid. So Tottenham, Napoli, Dortmund, they're, they're probably want to be aiming Atalanta here. I feel they're probably the, the weakest from that selection. I mean, Atletico, Chelsea and Dortmund are pretty daunting opponents. Napoli, I don't know how they're going to do under Gattuso and Tottenham Hotspur are kind of hot and cold, they have probably going to be aiming for Atalanta. Would you agree? I think that um, Atalanta are probably going to be the easiest, only based on um, only based on uh, experience or yeah. lack of it. Because in Italy, Atalanta creates more chances than anybody. Mm. And they mm. also, you know, created the most last season. They've created 60 big chances in the league. That's yeah. about 16 more than any other Serie A side. Yeah. 60. And just for context, um, PSG have created 63 this season. So, I mean, that just shows you how good they are when they attack. But, but they've not shown that on enough occasions in the Champions yeah, League. They lost yeah, it the first because of the, the lack of experience. I mean, they went to Manchester City and they had a lead. They had a 1-0 lead and... Of course, they always felt like, ah, let's just keep attacking and attacking. And you don't do that. In the Champions League, you have to be a bit more pragmatic, a bit more sensible. And I think that's that's why probably they face um, PSG, they'll get slaughtered because they want to attack and attack and attack and all those spaces. Mbappe is just going to, <laughs> it's just going to eat all of it up. So <laughs> in terms of experience, yeah, they, they, they lack the experience for that kind of stage. So they'll probably show that they are rookies. But apart from that, if, if we're talking about team quality, then I don't think they are the easiest. 
Mm, absolutely. Uh, Thomas, Leon's opponents, they will be an unseeded team because they finished second. So the teams that Leon could face are Barcelona, Jesus, oh, this list is insane. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, uh, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Valencia. They can't play Leipzig because they were in the group. Uh, So who are you aiming for there? Like, Liverpool, Bayern, Bayern Munich, maybe if, because I know they got a new manager, Flick, and maybe if that kind of momentum drops out, they'll be aiming for Munich. I don't even know. There's a lot of good teams there. Maybe Valencia. Thomas, do you see Leon getting past any of those teams? Um, Not in the state they're in now. I mean, Clinton were um, just talking about it, um, that Valencia and, and Leon would kind of be a, a good game. Uh, what do you think, Clinton? Well, yeah, I think um, it's a game that could go either way, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, um, it's very hard to predict now in December because there's still about two months to go. I remember when the draws were made last season for um, PSG Manchester United. At December, it was like it was going to be one way traffic. You know? <laughs> yeah. And then by February, Manchester United wins such great form and it was it was a little more tricky so i think it always depends on the form that these teams arrive in by mm. um february and injuries as well yeah yeah so it's, it's, yeah. it's very hard to tell i'm quite pessimistic i i, I <laughs> they need to catch a team on a really bad day yeah i don't think yeah. they're a good cop side i don't think they're a good yeah. cop side so no it's, it's probably not it's probably the end of the road You never know. You never know know these things. Uh, Let's move on to the two Europa League results that were happening uh, on Thursday. They were both dead rubbers, whatever you want to call them, you know, dead games, really. Uh, Ren hosted Lazio and they won 2 0. A competent win for for Ren, who have really picked up some form over the last few weeks, both domestically and now in the Europa League as well. But Thomas, it's the form has just come a bit too late, hasn't it? Do they have the potential to get in the Europa League again this season? And do you think it'll be a different story next year in the Europa League when Julian Stefan, potentially, if he's still there, has had a bit more time to grow his team? Or do you, do you not think they'll they'll reach that at all? I, I, it's really hard to say with Ren. Um, it, it's always tricky try and figure out are they in, are they going to be in form for a while or they just drop off um yeah but i mean i think they're fifth or fourth i'm not fourth in the division at the moment um, shows how, it just shows how crazy the um the league is at the moment yeah uh, oh yeah um but uh i mean you can't really i don't think they, i don't probably deserve to be fourth uh, but they have picked up form because it probably maybe a month or two ago um i really didn't think they were very good at all uh, but yeah no they've got got good form it's nice to see uh del castillo playing uh playing more games he's, he's a player we've been uh watching and, and hoping to see uh play play more in in, uh, in league and, and um i mean the game is andre andre basically gave him both goals and they didn't create anything else but we'll move on from that <laughs> <laughs> um of course but, uh, <laughs> it's true though um we need defense um 
But uh, I watched um, some of the uh, game tonight and uh, <laughs> Yanyan scored a, a brace, which is, is kind of cool. And it was good to see uh, another Andre reference. Uh, Flavian Tay probably had his best game that I've seen um, in a red shirt. He's had a difficult start to the season, um, but he did look uh, a little bit more lively than usually he's getting uh, more involved in play. He just looks like the player that I've... Uh, I've been watching for the past couple of years. And uh, yeah, it's good to see. So if they can get him back into Andre form, then that'll be very, very good. Mm. What did you think of some of the younger talents that were playing in this match? They had um, Jan Boho and Kuna up in attacking midfield. And they also had uh, the young right-back Sasha Boy playing, just yeah, 18 Boyle's years really of age. Uh, what did you think of, of the youth players coming through? Do you think Ren are on the edge of, of a real new generation coming out, you know, with the players I just said, but also obviously that man Kamavinga? Yeah, I think out of all them, probably uh, uh, Sasha Bowie was probably the best one. He was just really confident um, and didn't didn't look too phased. Um, I mean, Lazio, Lazio were very good. Um, but, he, I mean, defensively, he was really, really strong and um, and he, he, he put, I mean, he partnered quite well with uh, Niamsi. Uh, but yeah, it's just another. I, mean, I sort of mentioned about Leon, but Ren also are very well known for producing talent after talent after talent. Uh, and it's it's good that they, even though it was um, a dead rubber that that um, that uh, Stefan did did uh, roll out some of the young players, and and I think they all did gave a pretty good account of themselves. Mm-hmm. And just, just you know, you know, I'm I'm always giving you your tips, Thomas, and who to watch out for, and these players <laughs> and that player and this guy, and he's coming up from the third division of buddy Slovakia. Uh, I know that Ren are really excited about a right back who could maybe take over from Boy if he ever goes. Um, a, a player called Soppy Brandon. He's been playing for the. I think he played for the French national team at the World Cup just there. What was it, under 17s level? Under 17s. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I know they're very excited about this kid. And there's been a lot of chat and a lot of scouts watching him. So it's, it's Soppy Brandon is his name. And I, I, again, from only videos I've, I've seen, it, it looks bloody good. But I guess everyone looks good from a highlight video. I would look like <laughs> bloody peak Vieira from a highlight video. Um, from a five-a-side <laughs> footage. <laughs> right. Uh, the last match that happened this week in Europe involving French teams was Wolfsburg and their hosting of San Etienne. Another dead match for San Etienne and an extremely disappointing campaign for them as Wolfsburg won 1-0 just to really, you know, stick that final nail in the coffin for Claude Puel's side who haven't enjoyed the best European campaign. Clinton, it's just been a disappointing campaign for San Etienne. But do you think they've just been unfortunate with all the, the manager unrest that's been happening, you know, with Gison Pretant and the manager leaving the, at the end of last season? Do you think this this champ, this uh, Europa League campaign just kind of came at the wrong time for them? Yeah, I think so. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's um, enough of an excuse to go six games without winning in your group. I mean, mm. it's just it's just embarrassing. At home against Alexandria, that was the game they were supposed to win. Uh, I think they drew them home anyway, which and I mean Alexandria lost three games and drew three games and two of those games were against Saint Etienne. So, <laughs> um, in spite of everything, it's it's <clears throat> it's something that um, they should still be ashamed of. Their showing was just it was just pathetic. 
but um, in the end, of course, the um, the instability and all of that, you know, obviously contributed a lot to how poorly they did in Europe. And it just it just feels like it just keeps happening with you know French clubs that um, when they do get uh, you know European qualification and then they go out there, either someone leaves and they get weaker, maybe the manager or it's a bunch of players as we saw with Lille. And then by the time they, they start the campaign, they're not really ready for it. And then they, they don't well. That's the end of it. So I think they should really, really get their acts together and move on from this. And if they do get back into Europe next season, they have to be better prepared for it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's a bit of a shame. And it had me thinking this week, you kind of mentioned it there about French teams not always doing well in Europe because someone leaves or a manager goes and whatnot without trying to be too dramatic. In terms of league football, I'm going to ask both of you this. I'll start with you, Thomas. What's the, what's the state of, of French league football at the moment? Because, you know, we seem to be a little bit behind Germany and France and Italy and Spain in that level and with the number of teams that are qualifying and going to knockout stages. So so what is the state of it at the moment? Because the national team is so good, but that just doesn't always translate to, to the club teams when they play in Europe. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it probably is improving. Um, if you look at the games that PSG have had this season, just as an example, they, I, can, I can think probably of quite a few that they've actually struggled in. Obviously, they got beat... Um, they got be at home by uh, by Reims, um, and they've struggled against you know teams like very small teams like um, like Brest and um, and uh, huh? Dijon. Yeah, Dijon. The, oh, Dijon. Yeah, Dijon. Of course, he struggled well. in Mets as well, even though they won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and overall, I mean, it's a very if you look at the, even the look at the league table for basic comparison, it's a very competitive league at the moment. Uh, but it's just that the, a lot of the clubs are just really in one way or another just unstable unable to keep um, sort of keep a consistency um, on and off the pitch and it's just kind of one run from a club they get into Champions League Europa League and then something happens I mean you look at Lille it happened with them they were extremely good in, in France last season and then they've had their best players taken away from them, and you can't. It, it's hard to criticize. What it's 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 harder to criticize them um, than it would for other teams because they've been they've had that their star players taken away, and it's it's difficult that just jump into a campaign and then and jump into Europe with a a different team and and a, a slightly different setup and expect to to be producing the same quality football you were doing last season. Yeah. Clinton, it's just it's just quite sad because League One is is you know it's it's a bit of a selling league these days. Players don't come to League One to play; they more they more come here for a little bit and then to to earn a contract elsewhere. Is that just just a bit sad? You can do you echo Thomas's feelings? Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's really unfortunate. The other day, I was um, explaining to someone on Twitter. What really happened, you know, with or what's been happening with French clubs recently? And I feel that it's, it's that thing I mentioned again earlier. Um, Ligon probably needs the big teams to be big teams. They need mm. them to be stable. And I'm talking Marseille, I'm talking Lyon, I'm talking um, Monaco. 
and Saint-Étienne to some extent. They need, because um, I think if we're talking mid-table teams and lower-table teams, I think those teams are actually pretty, you know, good. I think they, they're, they're giving those bigger teams a run for their money and everything. But the league would be, what the league needs now is for those teams like Marseille to really step up and have everything together and not have all that instability. And um, on the topic of, um, you know, losing your players, I mean, if if you're having um, Strasbourg in Europe, having um, Run in Europe, you're having Lille in Europe, you're having, you know, teams like that in Europe, no disrespect, obviously, but there are teams that, once they have a good campaign, a really good campaign, and are able to struggle and get into Europe, they lose their best players. Everyone just comes mm-hmm. and picks them out. It's going to be harder if, for instance, a Marseille have a fantastic season. It's going to be harder for them to lose, you know, the core of their team. I mean, it happened to run this time because they lost um, Sa, they lost Benjamin Andre, they lost Ben Affa. Those are like they lost them, um, Rami Benesebaini. They lost those guys, and those are like really, really, you know, important players. And those, those were players formed like the core of their team. And that was a team that won the cup, and you know, did very well in Europe last season. And then this season they couldn't just do anything, and they went outside. So um, I think first of all, Ligon needs its big teams to be big teams to act like big teams to have their thing everything together and that's also why i feel like leon missed a big opportunity you know this summer with first of all the appointment it was very underwhelming that was souvenir and you know the the entire everything that has gone on with them over the past four five months and you know when people talk about how psg are dominating i get it psg have a lot of money but i always felt like teams like leon could push them all the way till april may Especially with the kind of squads they've had in the past. And we've just not seen that. And also tra- translates into how they perform in Europe. So I think that French clubs, uh, French, the French league needs its fr- um, big clubs to be very, very good and to be, you know, at a certain level, to be stable. Because all of them just seem to have something going on with Wrong. them every time. Yeah. <laughs> There's always something, always something preventing them from being optimal. And yeah. I think that's just a, that's just what's missing. But if I'm, if I'm going to you know, speak on general quality, I think French League is, for me, I'd say French League is on par at worst with the Bundesliga and you know, Serie A. I think even this season, Serie A teams didn't really do that well in Europe. If, if you really look at it, and even Bundesliga teams, I mean, Gladbach lost 4 0 at home to one team. Um, I think um, Bayer Leverkusen also did poorly and they, they were out of the you know, Champions League. So I think that, you know, um, the French League isn't far off. Um, those, and the distance between, I mean, first and second in Europe, that's La Liga and, you know, the Premier League, I think it's exaggerated as in, in terms of distance between them and, I think um, it's not as the gap isn't as huge as people like to make it out to be. Now, in terms of the other the other two, that's Bundesliga and Serie A, I think that they're on part worst with Ligon. I personally think Ligon is better than both leagues. Maybe not as exciting because, for instance, Bundesliga has a lot of goals. I know everyone loves to see goals, but um, in terms of um, the teams, the individual teams. I mean, Dijon were 20th at some point, and they were 
absolutely blowing my mind with their football. And they were 20th and they were just struggling to score. That was just all it was. And, you know, when you think about teams like that, every week I'm always, you know, having issues trying to decide who wins the game because the teams are so evenly matched and so strong in my head. And, you know, I'm always struggling with that. So I think that it's a factor. I, ultimately, I don't think French League is half as bad as people think it is. I think, if anything, it's probably like third, third best league in Europe. But you know that at the end of the day, in Europe, you have to prove that you know you are you are a good enough league. You have to those performances have to you know be reflected in Europe. But I'm sorry, if I'm, this is taking so long. But I just wanted to make a point. <laughs> I just wanted to make a point. Um, what is required in Champions League is to be a good cup team. What is required in the league is to be a good league team. That means consistency. In cups, you have to have the experience to handle cup ties and all of that. Now, um, it's very hard to be a good league team and a good cup team at the same time. It's very, very difficult because they, they entail two completely different things. They have different requirements. But um, what these teams need to do now is to learn to be good cup teams, you know, just like they're good league teams. And then in the end, it, it will be reflected. Yeah, absolutely. But Clinton, you got to watch out because you're going to have Farmer League Twitter coming at you. <laughs> coming at you with I'll be swords and <laughs> I can hear them. I can hear them. <laughs> uh, okay, we have two matches to preview in this episode before we leave you. And there are some of the teams that maybe haven't been getting enough love from us in in recent weeks that you know we've, we've been noticing some teams don't get the representation that they deserve you know because they're league and teams they deserve to be here and it's more of the basement battle teams uh so one match that is very intriguing for this weekend is amion uh they currently sit 17th and they will be hosting dijon who sit just one place above them in 16th you know it's an it's an early season six pointer Thomas, what have been your opinions on Luca Elsner so far, and how has he adapted to top league management with Amion? You know, he's a he's a coach who didn't have loads of experience before playing uh, managing in Belgium's second division and Cyprus, but you know he's made the step up to Amion, and his team have put in some good performances at times. What has been your opinions of him? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't say. Um... Because you know, he's, he's probably he's done better than I expected. Um, definitely, I think at the moment, I mean, they're conceding way too many goals. Um, Gertner unfortunately isn't performing as well um, as previously uh, past, in past few seasons. Um, I think they are missing Kanate in his his good form. Is uh, a pretty vital player for them. Um, it's difficult. I mean, could I see Implicia doing better in this position? Uh, I don't think so. Not with the, the squad they've got at the moment. Um, but it's going to—it's going to be. I think it's going to be a relegation fight uh, for the majority of the season for them. But this game against Dijon is a uh, is a big one, and um, I mean, it's it is like you said. It is like you said a, a six pointer. Uh, and they are at home, so 
I, I always do like their their stadium's very nice as well. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be a big game, and uh, I might tune in to watch this one. Mm. I, I know you mentioned there about Regis Gertner and, and being in goal. He's not the, the best goalkeeper. Just to to put that in context, Amion currently have the worst XGA differential to the number of goals that they've actually conceded. So. The stats suggest that they should have conceded about 22 and a half goals and they've actually conceded 31. So either their opponents are on fire, uh, really good finishing, or what probably the answer is, Regis Gertner couldn't, what's, what do you say, couldn't catch a cold, couldn't save, save a bus. I don't know what you're going to say, all, all your standard um, standard lines. Do you think Amion should, I mean, I know that they're not great defensively, in their squad, but when you look at their attack, it's not bad. When you look at their personnel, you know Gil Kakuta has done well in Ligue 1 in the past. Serhu Girassi, I think, is probably one of the underrated strikers in the league. Shadrach Akolo earlier in the season showed a lot of good form. Uh, Debate coming from Leicester. Musa Kanati is still to really get back to full fitness. Do you think there are still better times to come from Amion in, a, in an attacking sense, purely because of the of the players they've got? Sam and Godos? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult. I don't see... I, mean, I like Kakuta and I like what he's done in the past at, at, in Ligue 1, but he doesn't seem like the player he used to be so I don't know where that creativity comes from um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm not sure they're going to be producing a lot of chances um, Grassi is a, is, a, is a pretty good player but I mean what happened to, to Godosh I mean he was he was really he was really good last season like, he was good last season um, but he doesn't seem to be getting much game time is that any reason why mm-hmm. I don't know if he, I feel I feel like he was injured for a bit. I know that, but I don't know if it was an overly like awful injury that was really like holding him back mm. or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, he's not been involved. He's played 103 minutes this season. 100 minutes. And it's just yeah, I don't know. I, it must be an injury issue. But to be honest, I don't want to go spin about lies because I don't know the the exact reason. But you know, if he does come back into the team, there's you know there's there's a click. There's a a bit more creativity. Yeah, yeah. He had some opportunities last season and and had a good couple of assists and goals. So you know that, that's a missing part to this to their team. But Clinton, they've conceded 14 goals in their last four games. Could that just be the beginning of the end for them? Could this? lack of defensive shape hold them back Clinton or has the quality of opponent been quite tough in this run you know they've played Rennes Strasbourg Montpellier and Monaco in this in these last four games is is that a, a run of fixtures that you'd be going you know maybe they could concede quite a few goals there because Monaco and Strasbourg are very good attacking wise or do you look at it in the way where it's like no Amion definitely should have put at least one good performance in there what do you think Clinton well, um, I think that obviously it's been an unfortunate run, the kind of teams that you've had to play back to back to back. But at the same time, um, it's not really a good, ex- good enough excuse to be considering that many goals. Three, four, four, three. That's just, I mean, four goals at home against Strasbourg. That was just you know, too much. So I think that if you're not able to sort out your defense generally uh, when you're in a relegation fight, um, it will always come back to haunt you. You need to at least be defensively strong against, you know, lots of sides. So um, I think it's going to hurt them. I think they probably will get relegated. But I have a very 
funny enough, I have a very high opinion of this team. I just feel like they're very dangerous. They just have this thing about them. That it's just, you never know what you're getting. And what you're getting could be something really terrible. Like, they could just completely, you know, it's him, uh, or something. Unexpected. I mean, they beat Angers <laughs> in Coupe de la Ligue, so... But, I mean, generally, uh, I think they will get relegated, though. But you never know. It might just be that the run of fixtures were just too difficult for them. Mm. Now, I think we'll get a better indication of where they are after this game against Tijan because, obviously, it's a team that is closer to them in terms of level. So, if they still go on to concede 3-4, then we'll know that there's a real problem. But if yeah. not, then... Yeah. So. Thomas, do you think Dijon have the, the capability to really do a job on Amion here? You know, an Amion side that have been awful defensively. Do Dijon have the weapons to, to put a few past them? I mean, I mean it could it, be Char- quite a... has been good, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, where else yeah. out with that? Yeah, I mean, Char- I, I didn't. I, I didn't expect him to be... Um, this impressive on his on his step up to to league one, but I think the I mean the players he's playing with are probably the stand. I mean, quite a few of the standard league league deal. Let's let's be fair. Mm. Um, but no, he's really he's been really really good for me. He's only twenty twenty one, um, and he's just he's yeah he's, he's really really solid dribbler and he's kind of um, he's trying to like dribble away from all the dangerous areas for them. But he's he's um, he's working hard for them. Uh, and it was a really good, really good pickup just to get him for. I think it was three million, maybe four, three or four. Um, yeah. So I, I reckon he probably might be might be sold um, straight on if they get if they get relegated. Um, but I mean, I think once Gomez sort of tails off in form because he's been very very good for them uh, this season. Just on basic stats, I mean, he's been saving almost four saves a game, eighty percent success rate, which is um, extremely very high. Very good, <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, but in in past seasons, Gomez has just kind of dropped off. He doesn't seem to keep that much consistency in his form. So once that drops off, I think probably Dijon eventually do drop off. Uh, unfortunately. Mm. Um, so uh, this could be actually quite an open game because both defenses are pretty oh, rubbish. rubbish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know, and there's a lot of attacking talent going to be in this game. You know, and you look at it, you know, Chawar, I really yes. like Baldi for Dijon, um, Otero for, for Amion, Cadiz, you know, there's going to be some, could be some goals in this one. Uh, so I'll, I'll bring you straight to your, your score prediction for this one, lads. Uh, Clinton, what do you think this one is going to finish? Do you think it will live up to the hype and there will be quite a few goals? Yeah, I think it ends 2-2. I think. Uh, J.I. will get one goal, of course. I love that yeah. guy. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah. So, Thomas? I was going to say 2-2. Uh, I was going to say 2-2. <laughs> uh, I'll, uh, actually, I'll, I'll stick with 2-2 with, with Clinton. Okay. Uh, because home form has been insane this season in Ligue 1, I'm going to put it in in, yeah. uh, in the way of Amion. So I'll say 2-1 Amion. My boys, my unicorns, come on. 
I'm surprised we've not talked about them more. I thought I would subconsciously put them into the into the into the run a bit more. Uh, the mm. final match we're going to be looking at is another team that probably hasn't been given a lot of coverage this season, and that's Toulouse, and they're hosting of Ramps this weekend. So, Toulouse, uh, quite notably, made a managerial change early on in the season. I think it was after eight or nine matches. They said, Alan Casanova, you know, pack your bags. And, you know, we're going to bring in a league legend, former PSG manager, Thomas Don't <laughs> snigger in the background. Antoine Kumbuari coming in. I, I like to think of him, for players, for people that pay attention to like British football, I like to think of him as like league version of Sam Allardyce. Uh, just that guy that comes in and just rocks up and saves you. Um, yeah, so Toulouse have lost each of their last seven games uh, under Kimbuari with 19 goals conceded and eight scored in this time. They've won one match, which was their opening game against Lille, 2-1 they won. I believe Lille had 10 men as well. Clinton, was this the right appointment? Should Casanova have even been sacked? What's been your, your opinion of this whole situation at Toulouse? Well, um, I think that Casanova probably deserved you know, to be sacked because they were really in awful form. Although it seemed a bit hasty at the time because they started the season a bit well and then they just tailed off. Um, I mean, <laughs> this was expected slightly. Because it felt like they wanted to change direction. I mean, if you're going to be boring, at least, you know, win something. That was the, the case with the other manager, Casanova. But now they are not boring anymore <laughs> because there are a lot of goals in their games now. But they are still not getting points. So it's like, you know, either way, they've not gained anything. Seven straight losses is terrible. Um, but I don't think they've looked as bad as the... Um, the results have, I mean, the outcomes. Uh, I think they were pretty good against Strasbourg. It's just that Strasbourg were just so much better than them. But I think they were pretty good. Um, the game against uh, Marseille, they held on for long. I mean, Marseille didn't get the goal until like, late in the second half. So I think, um, and they also got the red card before Marseille scored. So I think... Um, there have been games where they've, and also the, the Leon game, it was a late winner, you know, from Leon that ensured the points from the pie. 95th minute goal. At that point, it was 2 2. So um, I think it hasn't been as bad as it has looked based on the outcomes. But overall, I still think that they need to do something about their defense because there's no way of getting anywhere with the defense that's porous. I mean, mm. consider three to Lyon, consider three to Montpellier, consider two to Marseille, two to Nantes, two to Monaco, four against Strasbourg. I mean, it's just on and on and on. Defense is just not helping. So mm. um, I think that's really... But I don't think it, we can make conclusions about Comboire's appointment yet. Mm. I think um, there's, maybe by the end of January we would know if he has really been able to impact this club properly. Yeah, but uh, Toulouse have been losing a lot of games, like you said. But Clinton, have they been quite unlucky with the run of fixtures? I mean, just as we were saying about Dijon and how they'd faced quite a few... Um, or not Dijon, sorry, Amion, and how they'd yeah. faced a few tough teams in a row. Toulouse's seven games that they've you know lost have been against Rennes since they've come into good form, Lyon, Montpellier, 
Marseille, Nantes. I think they were still in good form then. Nantes and Monaco and Strasbourg. So, you know, really for a team of, of Toulouse's stature at the moment, are there any games you'd be expecting them to win? Or has it just been quite unlucky that they have, they've had such an awful run of fixtures? I just realised that it's actually eight straight losses in the league, <laughs> not seven. Okay. <laughs> I think they've been unlucky. Um, but this, we've just mentioned how many teams now. That's like almost a quarter of the league already. So if yeah. every game is too difficult, then what are they, what are they doing in the division? That, that has to be the big question because Ron obviously is a tough game. Lyon is a tough game. Montpellier is a tough game. Um, Marseille is a tough game. Nantes are flying is a tough game, especially away. Monaco is a tough game. But like mm. every game is tough, you know, in, in the league. So they just have to step up. I mean, it, it, it doesn't have to be a defeat, but I mean, get a draw at least. Yeah, no. seen every week lose, 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 lose. It's, it's, I don't think it's um it's a good enough excuse. I mean, the Emian that we're just talking about, they beat Marseille 3-1 in a game where they were really good you know, earlier. And, I mean, at the end of the day, to prove that you belong in the division, you have to win some of these games. You have to be able to get points off some of these teams. You can't just, you know, say that these guys are so much better than us, so obviously we're going. it's okay to lose. So I think, oh, okay, that, that was nice, to lose, to lose. <laughs> you didn't catch that. Yeah, I forgot. <laughs> um, I tell you what, it's an easy league to go to and not get beat all the time. League do. Uh, right, it's <laughs> they, might, they might be playing there sooner than they know. You know, Antoine Kouviari absolutely ripping up the league. Although I don't think Khan and Gang are doing that well this season uh, since they got relegated. I was uh, just no, going no. to say that. I was just going to say that. Both like Lord. Six wins out of uh, 17. Uh, delicious. Uh, Thomas, because of Toulouse's form and whatnot, pretty simply, should Romps be almost demanding? Should, should you know, should David Guillaume be almost demanding a win of his players in this match? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, um, Rance have been pretty good uh, away from home. And I don't see to lose. I mean, they have been, they have actually been okay in their attack, but just so bad in defence. Shocking, conceding way too many chances. Um, yeah. But I think you come against a Rouse defence that's been just stu- stupidly good. Um, they're just not conceding anything, not even letting you get close to the box. Um, and even if they are taking shots, Rakovic is just. It's been really, really great. And we mentioned Gomez's performance. Rakovic is also making a save. I think it's also 80%, which is just kind of a really, really great for a keeper. Um, so anything that does get past the defence, he's just stopping at every occasion almost. Um, I think a player that we've, I'm not even sure we've mentioned him, but Shaval uh, um for them in midfield, he's been there. He's been with Liga, in Liga with him for for a while now and uh, he's just a really really underrated player um, mm. he covers lo- so much ground not as much sense right but he covers loads <laughs> loads and loads of ground loads and loads of ground and I know that um, I know that uh, Clinton likes uh, defensive stats from midfielders like uh, like Benjamin and Andre and uh, in in, uh, yeah. in their game against Bordeaux 11 tackles 
four interceptions. Eleven. Eleven. That's, that's disgusting. And Some five teams don't make eleven And five dribbles. That's stupid. Um, <laughs> like, so, Thomas yeah. and I had a conversation last week, and I was just saying, if they got a lot of money from Santa Maria, they should have gone for Chevalier. You know what I mean? The teams are at different. No, but I'm just saying, they should have slapped out on him. And he's still got an he's assist. too old. Was that? He's still got an assist in that. Yeah, Chavel Rand's an absolute beast. He was good last yeah. season. He's kind of headed to a new level since Raps have just been so good defensively. Oh my days. Um, big to sassy, gorgeous. Uh, Thomas, do you think that Remy Udan is just kind of on the edge of kicking back into form? I mean, if you look at stats for even like, not just goals, but also like chances created and whatnot, it is considerably less than last season. But, you know, he scored against uh, San Etienne do you think you know he could get the wind back in his sails and become the type of player that was linked with Fiorentina and Watford last season? Yeah, I, I think so. To be honest, it looks like he was just trying to... He was expecting that move away and it just didn't come through. Um, and like Bull Idea is probably... He's taking over as more as the, the, the main attacking threat in that team. Um, but to have someone like, somebody like Udan back in form, I mean, he could... Um, if he gets into form and has a good couple months to the end of the season, and he definitely ensures he he gets that that move away. Um, but yeah, it, just it, with, with Rouse, if if he somehow managed to coax some more attacking opportunities out, then they could be really, really formidable. Because um, mm. we know they've got a solid defence, but if they can start scoring more goals, then who knows where they could go. Yeah, I think if you put Bully Dia in any other team, he scores like twice as many goals. I think I think he's a fantastic player, yeah. um, and to just be just to be just like like just playing off such little scraps just shows the quality he has. It's a similar story a bit more earlier in the season with like Khalifa Koulibaly when Nantes were just yeah. so defensive and he was still scoring goals. Man, I'm like, how do you do that? You're carrying the attack. Not that I think he's like an insane player, but it's just like he was playing so well. Uh, okay, let's stay with Toulouse and Ramps. I want to get your score predictions for this match. Clinton, again, I'll start with you. Do you see Kumbuari's Toulouse really kicking on and, and starting to get that, that Kumbuari ball in their blood? Or will it be a, a cool... <laughs> Has anyone ever said Kumbuari ball? <laughs> no, I never will ever again. <laughs> uh, what do you think this will finish? Uh, Reds win 2 1 because I mean, Toulouse will find a way to score, probably. Yeah, or 2 1. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna say 1 0 to uh, two rounds. Yeah, uh, I mean, Toulouse have been better. Yeah, Rams are just so good defensively. And the teams that Toulouse have been losing to recently can ship a goal here and there. Monaco, Strasbourg, Marseille, Montpellier, Lyon, Rennes. You know, they're not extremely good defensively. Um, so I could see Rams just, just keep keeping a 1-0 win here. Yeah, yeah the, Toulouse, they're a better defence than all the teams that I just named there. So I think it probably will be a pretty simple, hard-fought, standard bully the goal or something or win for ramps which should set them well pretty well in the season just as we almost finish off the festive period 
And that wraps up the episode. Thank you so much for listening once more. If you're looking for more information on all things football, French, football and dot com, you can go to getfootballnewsfrance.com and read a lot of articles and get all your opinion pieces and all your information on French football in English. And you can also follow us on Twitter at GFFN. Once again, thank you very much for listening. I've been joined by Clinton McDubis and, of course, Thomas Wiseman. I've been your host, Louis McParland. And thank you, and we'll hopefully see you next week. Stay safe.